Hello, my name is Daniel Nenny, founder of SemiWiki, the open forum for semiconductor professionals. Welcome to the Semiconductor Insiders podcast series. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please post it on semiwiki.com and we'll get right to it. My guest today is Dr. Adam Carter, CEO of OpenLight. Adam has over 25 years of experience in the semiconductor industry, including a variety of roles in networking, optical communication systems, optical components and modules, markets. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Thank you very much, Daniel. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah, it's, it's nice meeting you. Um, first, just to get a little background, can you tell us what originally brought you to semiconductors? I mean, was it your childhood dream or did your parents force you into it? Uh, neither, actually. Um, I actually, uh, during my bachelor's degree in the UK, um, it was a year out in industry and I, I worked for basically what was Northern Telecom Research Labs uh, in the UK and uh, as a as an intern and uh, basically they put me on a new type of laser and how to do the processing of that laser and uh, I got the laser bug at that point. Oh, that's a good story. So can you tell us about your professional journey and how you came to open light? Yeah, so after my bachelor's degree, I actually went into, um, I did a PhD on uh, reactive ion etching, which is uh, uh, processing that's used uh, particularly in semiconductors, both 3.5 materials and silicon. And after that, I went and joined a company called British Telecom and DuPont um, in Ipswich and worked in the fabs there for about three years realized that 10,000 square foot clean room in the UK probably wasn't going to be around for a long period of time for a long career and so went into a more commercial role at that point. About six months after I made that decision, Hewlett-Packard actually acquired uh, BT&D and um, I was in a technical marketing role and they brought some of us over to the US in 1997. Uh, worked through the spin-out of Agilent Technologies um, and then the private equity um, group of KKR and Silver Lake um, uh, took the components group out of Agilent and it became Avago, which is probably better known as Broadcom now. And after about a couple of years with those guys, I was offered an opportunity to go work for Cisco running the transceiver module group as the general manager and it was at that point I, I found out about silicon photonics and uh, Cisco made an acquisition called Lightwire um, which was integrated into, into my team uh, in the transceiver module group and uh, we produced the first silicon photonics uh, uh, based uh, transceiver called CPAC at 100 gigabit ethernet and after that that was uh, in manufacturing. Uh, I was asked by a company called Aclaro to come and help them. Uh, they were financially distressed at the time. And uh, I went and joined the um, C-suite uh, there, turned around the company in about four and a half years and sold it to Lamentum for about 1.85 billion. And it was at that point really I decided, okay, I need to take a break. And so I took some time off and uh, then I started to do some consultancy and as of, I was doing consultancy for some of the um, uh, venture capital private equity companies 
uh, this opening for the CEO position at OpenLight came up and um, and uh, my name was put forward and the rest, as they say, is history. Oh, great journey. Thank you. Um, so let's get into it. What, what are OpenLight key offerings and what sets the company apart from others in the industry? You know, as you're aware, the concept of generative AI has been picking up steam. And, you know, are there specific applications of silicon photonics that you believe will be pivotal in supporting the rapid growth and scalability need for AI applications? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, if you look at uh, where silicon photonics has come from uh, back in the early 2010s, uh, basically, uh, things have progressed um, very, very quickly. The, the thing that really stands open light out uh, apart from everybody else, a couple of key points of differentiation are we're the only independent company that uh, offers an open PDK at, at a large scale foundry. Um, and we also include the lasers and the active elements that can go inside the photonic integrated circuit. So you don't have to externally couple any of the laser light into a silicon photonics chip, which you have to do in about 95% of the cases today. So that can lead to a lot of uh, savings, particularly on the back end manufacturing in the packaging side around CapEx and OpEx uh, for that. And all that processing is done at foundry scale by our foundry partner. And the, the other real key differentiation is really around our IP on how we uh, keep that uh, uh, active material on the silicon and enable the process, uh, the back end silicon process to, to continue. So from a generative AI point of view, if you look at anything that's high bandwidth or very high density, um, you typically you would have to scale um, uh, each channel with a laser or one laser between two channels. So the more channels you have, the more lasers you have to use. That can cause a lot of issues, particularly as you scale up to, you know, um, 16 and, and finals and beyond. And for generative AI, and AI in particular, that to be a requirement going forward. Optics is manufactured today, along with silicon circuits. It, it needs to change. And one of the things that uh, we believe is that with our technology and the way that we do things, it will enable uh the scale at, and the bandwidth that's going to be needed as generative ai takes off at the right cost points as well right you know you mentioned foundries um how, how does open lights open foundry business model contribute to the acceleration and uh, widespread use of photonic integrated circuits you know in the different markets and applications so basically anybody who wants to design their own circuits or they want us to design, uh, they can access our PDK through our Foundry Partners website. Um, and they can start designing with uh, the components that we have in our PDK there, which includes both actives and the passive components. Now, in some cases, some customers don't feel confident to do that. And so what we do is we offer a, a design service well, we'll design the photonic integrated circuit that they need based on uh, their requirements and their specifications. And uh, as we move forward um, and start designing uh, newer components, both active and passive, we can also offer those customers an early access uh, to that PDK component uh, to enable them to, to look at their designs. And along with Synopsys, who is our major investor, 
uh, they can use all of all our PDK and uh, um, simulation tools are all based on the uh, Synopsys uh, uh, toolkits that are available today commercially. And as soon as they've done that design, Daniel, they can uh, they can then put uh, port that um, uh, design through GDS files straight into our Foundry partner, who will then uh, take over and do all the production processing. Right. So why are more customers choosing to adopt photonic integrated circuits and process design kits in industries such as LIDAR and AI and high-speed computing and data centers? Oh, well, there's a real need really to, um, uh, to uh, do higher density in most of those market segments today. Um, if you look at uh, the data communication, one of the biggest issues is they're constrained by the amount of bandwidth that they can take out of a switch to connect to a server. LiDAR, it's all about amplification to go longer distances and to get more accurate uh, pixel uh, data at the receive end. To do that with conventional technology uh, would usually mean that it's either very cost prohibitive to do, or it can also be that it's in very large um, uh, packages which uh, does, is not conducive to uh, saving space and power and things like that. So by going to um, more of a uh, integrated photonic circuit, that enables you to put it into a lot smaller spaces, smaller packages, as well as reducing the power consumption as well, because there are certain advantages that you have with the way that we do the integration of the uh, lasers and the optical amplifiers that enable us to get much higher coupling efficiencies into the waveguide, which then means you drive those devices at a lot lower voltage, which enables you to then reduce power. Interesting. So looking ahead, what uh, breakthroughs or advancements are you most excited about that could uh, potentially shape the industry's future? That's actually a very good question. I think um, uh, laser technology is, is coming on a long way. And I think that, um, you know, uh, there are some new laser uh, types that we are um, uh, developing right now, which will help bring down things like thermal efficiency, which in the generative AI space is, is really, really important. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, um, uh, uh, information out there that uh, people would like to get down to what is called one picojoule per bit. We think that we're developing the lasers that will enable us to do that. I think also the ability to put in optical amplification into these circuits enables, um, particularly in the uh, LIDAR space, particularly with FMCW uh, LIDAR, it enables you to go longer distances and to you can do multiple channels um, which enables you to get much better quality uh, of image or pixel uh, refresh rate, as they, they call it in that industry. So from that perspective, I think those actives uh, are very important. And then with 3.5 integration, there's the opportunity to do all sorts of different modulation uh, techniques, which are going to be needed as bandwidths continue to increase in the industry. Right. So one final question, Adam, uh, if you could use open light technology to solve a future problem or create a brand new application, what would it be and, and why? <laughs> that is a really good question. If I had the answer to that off the top of my head, I think that that would be uh, 
I'll go set up a different company, maybe. Um, I, 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 my, my whole thing around the technology that we're doing here is I think this can help solve some fundamental problems that um, our customers and, and different markets are, are trying to solve. I think the, the people's thirst for bandwidth um, and uh, the ability to do a lot more things uh, remotely, I think, lends itself for a lot more different applications uh, to, to, to come up. So, you know, that it, depending on how the world goes, it's, is, is there some things that this technology could do that enables us to do some things better from an environmental point of view? And I think that although that's a bit early for that, I think that is really an opportunity where uh, th this technology could play out in the future. Yeah, great uh, conversation, Adam. Thank you very much for your time. It it's a pleasure meeting you and I look forward to talking to you again and, and see how things progress. Thanks, Daniel, really enjoyed it. That concludes our podcast. Thank you all for listening and have a great day.